I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Hope you've had a good weekend. Hello, Loretta. If you're watching us live, you can be a part of the conversation. I want this to be a very productive time that we spend together, whether you're watching us live or in the replay. And so we're going to do something that I don't talk about a whole lot, but it's actually pretty important. I, I know with me, uh, I can you know get to the end of the workday or the end of the week and be like, I didn't get anything done. I'm <laughs> just sometimes... Uh, you know, I'm just not really good at time management. And that's actually an important thing. And if you learn to master it, there, it just brings a lot of productivity and a lot of peace and can actually give you a little spare time to, to do things that you enjoy a little bit more. So we're going we're gonna to dive into this nuanced topic of, of time management. Uh, and in order to do that, as always, uh, you know, I go to someone who knows a lot more about it than I do. And my guest today has written a book called In Good Time. Her name is Jen Pollock-Michelle, and she joins us today to uh, let us know why this is important and how we can be better at it and good stewards of whatever time good Lord gives us on this earth. Jen, great to have you on Life Today Live. Thank you so much, Randy. Great to be here. So I think, I think you know, I'm, I kind of teased it a little bit, but I'm curious of all the things, you know, you can write about. It takes time to write a book uh, and time to talk about this. Why, why was this a significant thing for you to even address? Yeah, well, I talk about in the book that I've sort of been a time management um, nut, really, for <laughs> the last 30 years, you know, just reading every book that I can get my hands on to help me figure out how to get more done, how to maybe have more peace as I'm getting things done. I have five children. Um, I've been writing, you know, this is my fifth book. So I've been doing that as well. And so I'm just always looking to how I can, you know, make the most of my time. And I've also thought that that really has felt like a biblical imperative. You know, we can go to places in Paul's letters where he says, you know, make the most, the best use of your time. The days are evil. Redeem the time. Um, and I think it was really in the pandemic that for all of us, you know, for me included, time was just all, it just was suddenly upside down. Mm -hmm. I wasn't getting the things done that I was used to getting th getting done. And I was feeling really um, just unsettled, you know, wanting to be productive, especially because at the beginning of the pandemic, people were saying, now's the time to get <laughs> things done that you can't normally get done since you're stuck inside. Um, and that's really when I started to think maybe more deeply about some of the messages about time that I had inherited or imbibed um, or just, you know, taught myself or learned over the years and just really matching that up with scripture and, and thinking about what, what God really had for me and my time. What were the priorities for the kingdom of heaven coming on earth um, today. What uh, Now, were you in Canada during the pandemic? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. You, you, you were, so you really were stuck inside. See, Dan, uh, We were stuck inside for like an hour, a week, a, I'm sorry, a year and a half. Yeah, we were, Toronto, I think, had the longest lockdown in North America. Jeez. So quite a different experience. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I we went hiking in Utah during the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. <laughs> it was. It was. It was a lot of fun. So let's. What are what are maybe some of the things that a lot of us do? Maybe that you find yourself doing that are not good 
management principles for our time. Yeah, well, I mean, I think one of the things that probably a lot of us are familiar with is we complain about busyness, but we choose it too. (laughs) Um, And I think I really discovered that in the pandemic. You know, I remember sort of, you know, that full stop and thinking, whew, you know, I had come off a really busy season with work. And of course, family life was always busy. And I, and, and I think during that busy season, I said, oh, you know, I just can't wait until I finish all of these things. I'm going to feel so much better. You know, we always think like, we're going to feel better when we're um, through a busy season. And then suddenly, like, I'm not busy. I don't have anywhere to go. You know, I had some work deadlines that I was finishing at work, but I'm not driving my kids around and um and then I didn't feel better and so I think a lot of times we complain about busyness and yet we choose it because it is something that makes us feel good it feels good to be productive it feels good to just kind of rush through your day I mean that's sort of the answer that we give to people how are you doing I'm busy you know like Mm -hmm. that makes me feel like my life has value um so that's definitely one thing that I talk about in the book is like what is that about well yeah yeah, no and that's actually a great question because I I can see how we tend to do that. Is that is that a a bad substitute for real identity? Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, I think we could pretty much say that, you know, whenever we're finding our identity in anything other than what Christ has done for us and who we are in Christ, then we're on the wrong track. And busyness is so much about the self, you know, it's about self-sufficiency. It's about self-congratulations and self-accomplishment. And I mean, not always, you know, I mean, there are ways to be busy that I think can be very fruitful for the kingdom, but it's certainly not the kind of busyness that's orienting my worth towards those things. Yeah. You know, like to, this was a good day because I got a lot, a lot done. Well, I mean, how do we know if the things we got done were the right things to be done? (laughs) And sometimes, you know, the best thing to be done at least one day out of seven is to rest. Um, And I think Sabbath is certainly a practice that kind of forces us to think about, hmm, you know, where do I root my identity? Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think that that dovetails directly into priorities. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't know, how, how do you how do you approach what's a priority of your time and what's not? Yeah. I mean, this is such a good question. I think we look at Jesus saying, seek first the kingdom of God Mm -hmm. and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. But for your life, Randy, and for my life and for somebody else's life, seeking first the kingdom can look a a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you might be in a season. And I think this is one thing that I talk about in the book is that, you know, we can have kingdom priorities, but they can manifest themselves very differently, depending on the givens of our lives. So, you know, you might be, you know, um, in media, as you are in preaching and ministry, and, and I might be home with my children, or my husband, for example, has always worked in the business world, or maybe you're a student, or, you know, or maybe you have chronic illness, and the pace and the rhythm of your life and the kind of output of your work is just totally different mm-hmm. because you are struggling with a health issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I think 
having that, that kind of just interrogating, like, what are the priorities that God has given me? I really think that that is a question that requires a lot of wisdom and personal discernment. Um, how are we giving our lives away? I mean, I think it's always a giving away of our life. And that's certainly a countercultural message when you look at the time management books and just kind of the whole industry. It's so much about like, how do I like get more time for myself? Mm. And so I think something that's super countercultural when we think about time in relationship to the kingdom of God is that, okay, we have to believe in one sense it is scarce because we're human beings. And then in another, you know, God's going to equip us with everything good to do as well. So if he's calling me to do something, there will be enough time to do it. So these, these questions are, they're complicated. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're kind of suggesting that, uh, one of our priorities should be investing our time in other people in some mm -hmm. capacity. Absolutely. And, and I think that's one of the learnings that I did in the course of writing the book was just, um, this was actually not my original idea. I read a book um, by an academic called Counterproductive by Melissa Gregg, and she was just looking at time management as just a very individualist kind of ethic. You know, it's so much about what do you want to get done? You know, what are your priorities, your ambitions? And I think all of us kind of realistically know that the only way to gain more time is to like hoard it, protect it, keep um, interruptions at bay. Mm -hmm. And that's just not the kingdom life. I mean, mm -hmm. even the creative life, you know, the writing life requires a lot of quiet and um, solitary time. And yet, you know, I don't get to like cordon my life off from interruptions. I mean, not if I'm living in the manner of Jesus Christ who somehow, you know, moved through his days and never, it never seemed as if he was taken off course, even when people were sort of interrupting him and, you know, asking him to do things that maybe weren't on the agenda for the day. You know, this woman who comes to touch the hem of his robe mm -hmm. and he's on the way to heal Jairus's daughter. And yet somehow he's sort of living and moving in this world where there's enough time and there's this sense of like calm and peace, like whatever comes my way. Lord, Father, if this is I'm here to do your will. And I think that's the peace that is available to us through Jesus. Uh, that's actually a very important uh, concept and idea because even you look at like the the uh, Good Samaritan, you know the guys mm -hmm. that pass by. Why they pass by? Well, we we aren't told, but I can imagine that we aren't told because it could be lots of reasons. One of those reasons could be they had to they had to be somewhere. They didn't they didn't have time to deal with this other situation. But what you're suggesting is that in God's economy, uh, interruptions are not always. Um, a break in our priorities or a waste of our time, mm -hmm. but maybe where God's trying to work. Should we? Because I'm, I mean, I'm that way. You know, I'm, I'm focused. I'm trying to get things done. Should I maybe be more sensitive to the disruptions and interruptions that come my way? I think so. I mean, I think that. I mean, we think about just the nature of crisis. Like what crisis is ever planned, mm. you know? So if your neighbor is in crisis or your mom or your sister or your son or your friend, 
I'm going to guess that probably 99% of the time, that's completely unplanned. You're going to get the phone call. You're going to get the visit. You're going to get the, the, you know, the, the person who needs you. And it's going to come in the middle of a day that is just, you just haven't made time for it. And so I wonder, like, I think if we cultivate the kind of openness that says, Lord, you know, time is given by you. That's, that's the, that's the whole theme of the book is that time really isn't mine to manage or control. I'm really receiving every day as a gift. And so I think, you know, going into the day and just maintaining throughout the day, Lord, whatever it is that you have for me, help, help me to see it and receive it and know when I'm supposed to move toward a crisis. Now, I don't think every crisis we can move toward. And I think that is just so tough. I mean, how many homeless people, if you live in an urban area, do you pass every day? Mm -hmm. And if you, you know, applied, you know, well, I have to be the good Samaritan in absolutely every situation I see, I mean, you may never get to work (laughs) and God does want you to get to work. So these, you know, I just don't think there's a hard and fast rule, but I think in general, it's probably true that most of us need to cultivate more openness to interruptions, mm-hmm. because I think that's where the call to love our neighbor so often is. So, I mean, this is, this is, it'd be nice if you just gave us a nice little formula that worked for everybody, but that's not the discerning <laughs> spirit led life. Uh, no. You know, it no. sounds like what you're suggesting is that we need to learn to steward our time better. Mm -hmm. I do think that one way that we can just be more open to interruptions and to what God has for us is to be really ruthless about distractions. I think if we're really honest, so many of us live our days, you know, where we kind of fritter away time, (laughs) you know, on social media or just, I don't know, scrolling through the headlines or just like, you know, intense engagement with the news of the day, which, you know, we don't necessarily have to know what's happening at every single second or consumerism or just just whatever it is um, where and we know we kind of know what our things are. I mean, I've just sort of hit kind of the top cultural distractions, but all of us, you know, probably have some thing that we have to get honest about and we have to say, you know what, like I do this to kind of maybe avoid some of the harder, (laughs) more costly work sacrificial work that god wants to me to be involved to be involved in speaking for myself exactly yeah i'm (laughs) laughing because i'm right there with you i can't tell you how many times i've gone down a rabbit hole of something like oh that was interesting i'm educating myself i know right it's like no i'm avoiding what i should be doing (laughs) yeah exactly let's 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 get honest honest. yeah exactly all right this this is jen's uh website you can check her out at jenpollockmichelle.com and the book we're kind of chatting round today is called In Good Time, available wherever you get books, of course. Uh, And in the book, Jen, you do lay out uh, what I'm guessing are more generalities, but you have some habits that that we can Mm -hmm. all cultivate. Um, Pick pick one or two that that are, you know, uh, they're all meaningful to you. That was not, that's what I was almost going to say. Just pick (laughs) one or two that we can cover today that that, uh, might help people sort of think about how to steward their time better. Sure. Well, one of the ones that I've kind of touched on is this habit of receiving, of receiving our lives. And one of the 
things that I really think is a part of that is receiving the limits of our lives and also the opportunities of our lives. I think one thing that can happen with time management is, you know, just think about the most recent time management article you might've read or book, you know, it's just this kind of like, here are five steps to getting more out of your day. And it never takes into account you know, do you have young children underfoot? Do you have a chronic illness? Do you, are you in a season of grief? You know, do you have, you know, these responsibilities that are super owner? Are you working three jobs to pay the rent? Mm-hmm. And so the givens of our lives, receiving the givens of our lives and, and just really receiving them from God, knowing that whatever limit we have, like we often fight against them. I mean, I think that's been true for me in time. You know, I've always wanted to sort of just say like, well, I can get a lot, I can get a lot done. Maybe I'll just get up earlier. Maybe I'll write better list. Maybe I'll get a better app. And, and I think in midlife, I'm getting a little bit more realistic to say, I just have to receive my life. You know, some of my friends have fewer children, or maybe they have more children, or maybe they have less help or more help, you know? And so it's not helpful for me to compare my life to another person's, but to really receive my life from the Lord and be asking that question, God, what do you have for me? And what can I offer of my life um, back to you. And that also is another habit. Actually, we could just talk about offering. Mm -hmm. I think about Paul who says, you know, like offer your bodies as living sacrifices. What if we engaged our time in that way as not just something that I manage, control, save, waste, you know, but actually offer, you know, receive it from God as a gift, offer it back to him so that, for example, when that interruption comes and I think, oh, this is just, this is so blowing me off course for the day. Mm -hmm. I just receive it. And I say, Lord, if this, if you want me to offer back to you this, you know, maybe it's just a 15 minute conversation with a neighbor who's going through a crisis, or maybe it's actually picking up the phone when your mom calls (laughs) and, you know, you don't really want to talk to her because you're in the middle of something, but you know, she's, you know, she's lonely. Mm. Um, Mm. So receive and offer, Um, you know, there's, there's great, there's, you know, enjoy too. It's not just all about, um, you know, the hard things that we have to do in life and the sacrifices, but I think joy is a theme of the gospel. And so to imagine one of the cool things that I learned in my research is just that when we're experiencing the most joy is actually when time slows down for us. It's like, you just, and we all know that, right? Like where you've been in a moment and before you knew it, you know, friends were over for dinner and five hours have gone past Mm -hmm. and you've been sitting around the table enjoying yourself so much. Imagine that God himself, who is the giver of all things that are good, every good and perfect gift comes from, from him. He's the giver of joy. I think to imagine that we could live in time in that way is, is a pretty cool thing. I actually like that. I, it, you know, my four kids are out of the house now, grown, married in their twenties. Uh, and if I had it to do over, which means if I was talking to anyone who's in the middle of it right now, uh, raising kids, um, man, I think maybe the the best advice I, I could give if they wanted it, even if they didn't, I might give it unsolicited, is <laughs> might offer le- right? learn to enjoy the time that you do have. You know, we yes. old people say, ah, oh, they grow up so fast, but you're in the middle of it. It feels like forever, right? Yes. But we, I anyway, I think a lot of people worry about the future. If you're 
trying to provide, yes. you know, especially you got bills piled up, you can't pay. I mean, you know, I'm just not there mentally. I'm not enjoying the mm-hmm. time around the dinner table or, you know, in the backyard with the kids or just looking at something that, that they've done. If they're, you know, I got a grandson now and, you know, he likes to, you know, pops, look at me, watch this. Just And I enjoy that time. Like oh, I didn't. Yeah as much as I wish I had with my own kids. And that is a, that is a stewardship thing yes. uh, and learning to live very much in the present and, and not stress out about like, the things of the world will, they'll take care of themselves. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, mm-hmm. learning to not stress. I don't know. I think a, a lot of people have uh, what you call time anxiety. Yeah. Um, and, and that can rob you of that enjoyment how, all right, Dr. Michelle, time Dr. Michelle, how do I know if I have time anxiety and, and how do I not live there? Because that's a misery. Yeah. I mean, I think you have time anxiety when you're constantly worried about getting things done, that their time's going to run out and you're not going to get everything done. I think you can experience time anxiety when you're fixated on the past, you mm. know, these mistakes, these past sins or failures, you know, they're never to be redeemed or repaired. And so you just feel like you're going to be stuck or, or you could have time anxiety because you are, you're just sort of constantly worried about the future. And I mean, I think the only antidote for time anxiety is time faith. It really is gaining a sense of God who, you know, before the beginning was God and who will always be and for whom time is not a threat. And Mm. so I think really just gaining a sense of a vision of God, the friendship of God. um, And there's a paradox, I think, in time faith, where on the one hand, I go to a place like Psalm 90, where it says, teach us to number our days that we can gain a heart of wisdom. On the one hand, our days are numbered. And we aren't going to do everything that we aspire to do and set out to do. And that, and that is a burden. I think of mortality. I think there's a grief involved in that. And we hear, I think, a little grief in Psalm 90. You know, we end our days with a sigh. Um, there's a sadness there. And yet we're lifting our eyes to the God who, you know, made the world and for like we'll live with him in eternity. And I think that that eternal hope that we have in Jesus, I think delivers us from, it's meant to deliver us from time anxiety, that time is going to run out in this life. Mm. And yet, like, as soon as the curtain closes on this life, it's going to open into a world where there will be no more sorrow and sadness and grieving. And then time is like actually going to be a thing of the past, I think, because we know that even just the markers of time in the new heavens and new earth, like the sun's never going to set. How are we even going to count the days, right? Um, and so I think the griefs of time are even, even that those griefs themselves will be put away. So I think, you know, it's like that simple Sunday school answer, like any, any answer you, any question you ask, you just say, Jesus, Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that's true. Even with time anxiety, how do we move toward Jesus? You know, this, who his resurrection is the promise that that sure promise of the life to come where we'll, we'll live without the grief of time. Yeah. Uh, great 
thing to, to discuss and talk about. I just can't. I can't. I wrap my brain around that. <laughs> you know, I know. I can't answer either. Like, hmm. So, but, I, you know, I can rest in, in the faith that, you know, God knows what he's doing. He's, he's And he's a good God, you know. Hmm. So for here, I'll focus on what you talk about, which is in good time. And what is good in good time? What, what, mm. what, what th- there's got to be a, a goodness in my time that I'm striving for. How would I even frame that, you know, as I look back on my day or at what I'm doing now? Is, is this really good? Mm. Well, I can tell you one of the stories that I kind of thread through the book is the story of my friend, my age, 49, who was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer in um, early in the pandemic. And I remember the first blog post that she sent, you know, to friends and family. She said, I mean, it's, you know, stage four metastatic breast cancer, like it spread into her bones. Mm. And so she's, you know, trusting that, you know, sure, God can do a miracle. But she said, you know, if, if even I could just get more time, I'm praying for more time, like I'm praying for therapies and treatments that could give me more time. And so when you talk to someone like that, like time is good. Mm. Time is so good. And I just want to put myself into those shoes. You know, I pray that it doesn't take a terminal illness or some terrific crisis to make me realize that every time I wake up in the morning and I take the next breath, that is a gift. It is a good gift from God. And, um, you know, there's even a paradox. I think about Paul, you know, says it's like, I'm. it's good for me to be with you, but oh, how much better if I were with the Lord. Um, so in one sense, it's like, yeah, I mean, time in this mortal life, it's, it's a waiting game. We're waiting to be with Jesus. Um, but the time to, like you said, even enjoy the people that we love, our families, our friends, the time to love our neighbors, to love the world, to bear witness to the eternal hope of Jesus Christ. Like mm-hmm. these are incredible gifts and we're not worthy of them. You know, I mean, that's the thing is that we're not worthy of them. And so I think that makes time good. It just, cause we don't, we don't earn it for ourselves. I don't go to bed at night and then earn the next day because I had a great day. You know, like <laughs> right, the right. crazy thing is, is like, I can have a terrible day and I can be a real jerk. And then the next morning, like, there it is again, the gift of a new day. And so I receive it as good. Yeah, uh, that is good. Oh, this has been a good time to talk uh, and, and mm. really think about some of these things. I like the, this This is a good sort, sort of self-examination and maybe mm. tweaking of, of getting rid of some of the noise and focusing yeah. on, on the important things. That's good. Anything you want to add before I let you go? I appreciate your time. It's been... It's been <laughs> I'm not trying to make jokes here, but it's been a good time. So thank you for that. It has been a good time. I'm appreciating that your invitation. So thank you, Randy. Absolutely. I appreciate all you guys out there watching. If you want to, uh, you know, let someone else know, hey, this is, this really challenged me. This helped me prioritize. This helped me focus. This helped me live in the present and invest my time better. Uh, Hit the share button. Uh, and you can always check out Jen's website. It is jenpollockmichelle.com. Looks just like this. And as always... If you haven't liked, followed, or subscribed, please do that and come back. I've got more great conversations, great guests coming up here on Life Today Live. We'll see you again next time.
of divine mercy.